Welcome to PMA Takes on Tech, the podcast that explores the problems, solutions, people, and ideas that are shaping the future of the produce industry. I'm your host, Bonnie Estes, Vice President of Technology for the Produce Marketing Association, and I've spent years in the ag tech sector. So I can attest, it's hard to navigate this ever-changing world in developing and adopting new solutions to industry problems. Thanks for joining us and for allowing us to serve as your guide to the new world of produce and technology. My goal of the podcast is to outline a problem in the produce industry and then discuss several possible solutions that can be deployed today. This season of PMA Takes on Tech is brought to you by Plenty. Plenty is an indoor vertical farm that sustainably grows produce using less water and land than traditional farming and no pesticides or GMOs. The farm is able to grow peak season, flavorful food year round and deliver fresh produce to its retail partners daily. Plenty's proprietary towers and intelligent platform make it the only vertical farm that can grow multiple crops with consistently superior flavors and yield. Hello, we have a great episode for you all on AeroFarms. Roger Bulo, CTO, and Stacy Kimmel, VP of R&D, dig deep into the origin story of AeroFarms and its culture. They talk about the company's beginning at a kitchen table at a nightclub in New Jersey to building the largest R&D indoor vertical farm in UAE and the new farm expansion to Virginia. We talk a lot about the partnerships and collaborations AeroFarms is in that allows for the company to move more quickly using the knowledge and technology of their partners. Let's jump into the conversation with Roger and Stacy. So welcome, Roger and Stacy. I'm so glad to have you guys here and excited to hear about AeroFarms. So why don't we start with you, um, Stacy, and just give us your a little bit of your background and your role at AeroFarms. Sure. Thanks. And I'm, I'm really happy to be here as well. Uh, a little bit about me. Uh, I am a food scientist by education, uh, which is a little bit unusual in a, a farming company. Um, but I have been working in the food industry uh, for 23 years, uh, leading product development, technology innovation for Fortune 500 CPG companies. Um, they're all food companies are, have agriculture related aspects to them. So while I wasn't working in farming per se, we were procuring and working very directly with agriculture ingredients. So it's, there is a strong connection there, certainly also around the commercialization aspects of what I do, which I'll, I'll cover in a bit, but, um, I worked for the Campbell Soup Company and McCormick and Company before coming to AeroFarms. I've been at AeroFarms for about two years now. So at AeroFarms, I lead a team of plant scientists, molecular biologists, growers, data scientists, and research assistants. So my role really encompasses three areas. I like to think about it that way. Uh, commercialization of new products uh, and improving leafy greens so that we're bringing better value to our consumers and our company as we build new farms. We also spend time on new technologies and new categories beyond leafy greens. And we'll get into that a little bit with partnerships. That, that tends to be where the partnerships come in a lot of times is around uh, items other than leafy greens. 
We also, also as a leader of an R&D team, it's my responsibility, I I believe, to strengthen our capabilities as an R&D organization. So I'm responsible for developing my team professionally and bringing to them the latest technology in our facilities, both in in Newark and in the UAE, which we'll cover in a little bit as well. There's a lot of exciting things happening there. So how many people do you have on your team in R&D? We have 18 people. Great. Fabulous. Well, I think that's a really interesting background and, and kind of bringing the whole food space, you know, into growing the types of products that you guys are producing. It makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Roger, um, why don't we move into your background um, and uh, your role, and then we can start talking and maybe you can start talking a little bit about AeroFarm's overview and kind of history as well. It'd be great to hear all that. Sure, that'd be great. The yeah, when I start talking about my career, um, we'll start with talking about um, high efficiency lights, and then pretty much the second act of my career has been in and around Aero Farms. So it'll be natural to kind of weave in some of the history of Aero Farms when we get to that point. Um, so, like I said, my career has been one centered around high efficiency, and I grew up in the auto industry in Detroit. Uh, and then worked at GE Lighting and made the most efficient lights there. Uh, that that turned into an opportunity to go into uh, the startup world uh, with a company that was eventually called Energy Focus, where I served as the CTO and made very high efficiency lights for commercial buildings, um, made the most efficient lights for the US military, and then also the most efficient solar cells for the US military. Um, and so it was been a, a career where um, would bring together 10 to 20 scientists or engineers to um, really push the limits, break the records of high efficiency lights, high efficiency solar. And now I get to work on what's the most efficient way to grow high flavor plants um, and highly nutritious plants. So at the same time, I was um, supplying the U.S. Navy with lights out the front door, I like to say, I was helping out aero farms out the back door. So uh, we had a, uh, a, a an investor that invested both in Energy Focus and in aero farms. That investor brought me and um, Ed Harwood, one of our founders together uh, in 2009. And that's when I started helping out aero farms. And so sometimes that meant driving to Ithaca, New York to help Ed out in person. A lot of times it meant pushing uh, LED lights out the back door um, to help improve the overall efficiency of aero farms growing systems. Uh, at that, that time, aero farms was selling farms. So um, now to kind of weave in how this matches up with AeroFarms history, AeroFarms started with um, Ed Harwood was part of it, uh, started a company called AeroFarms where he was finding a way to grow aeroponically um, different than hydroponically. Um, Dr. Harwood uh, had been the CEO of dairy equipment companies. And at the time he was working in extension services out of Cornell. He saw people growing hydroponically uh, and thought that maybe there's a better way. And so he started to live the American inventor story mm-hmm. where you're on your kitchen table and you're um, figuring out different ways to 
to make an aeroponic mist. And now you're taking over your whole dining room. Uh, and then he took over his garage. Uh, and, and this was like in 2010 or so, or when, when was this? This would be like 2004, 2005. Oh, wow. So I, really early, like no one was even thinking about this stuff. That's Oh yeah. It was, and it was definitely a trailblazer. And uh, somewhere around 2009, Ed and I met up at that point, he had a, a facility outside of his house. And sometimes he had some employees that uh, were working with him. Sometimes it was just him. On one day it was just him, but he was trapped under the machine and he was just waiting for his wife to realize that he had a home. So she would come and, and rescue him. But it, there's the American inventor story. It is um, a lot of creativity and a lot of finding what's the right application and what's the, the right answer um, to a, a whole new field. And at that time, what Ed was focused on was uh, creating the aeroponic mist in different ways to, to deliver the nutrient solutions. Um, and in 2009, on the day that we met, we worked out on, an, on a literal napkin, uh, the efficiency of LEDs and how by 2017, uh, the world could be our oyster if we marched along a particular efficiency curve. We did. Um, between 2009, 2017, we, we did march on that curve uh, and, uh, and that helped us to start shipping to all the places we ship today. But that's jumping too far ahead. I have to go back to 2009 because at around that time, um, uh, our other two co-founders, Marco Shima and David Rosenberg, they had a company uh, called Just Greens and the um, their company and Ed's company merged together to become Just Greens doing business as Aero Farms. So we switched back and forth between which brand we're using different times. Uh, but most people know us as Aero Farms. And David and Mark brought a, uh, a view of, of going large with, with Aero Farms. So instead of selling the farms like Ed had been doing up until that point, um, their point was, well, let's sell the produce and part of the reason was that um, the that we needed to, to control our own destiny from an operations point of view, because we were still inventing how these systems go together. We were still inventing how the what kind of data we wanted to collect, and working out what really worked the best in terms of our different algorithms. I joined up as a uh, as an employee in 2014. Uh, so I was, uh, things had gone far enough with Aero Farms. I'd done as much as I could as a friend and as, as an advisor and uh, signed up to, to help go to the next level. There was about eight of us at that time. Uh, and we were operating out of a uh, converted uh, nightclub, really, in, in Newark. And so eight of us sat on the mezzanine of the nightclub and we looked down as we were onto the floor of the nightclub where we were building up um, the next generation of the farms. And at that point now, instead of the, the American inventor story, we were living the venture-backed company story. Um, and so that meant every year, year and a half, um, deciding what risk we wanted to reduce and putting together a plan and a focused effort to handle that, um, raising money, to achieve that, and if we had reduced the risk, and if we had moved the company forward, a plan to raise the next round, um, and that's worked really well for us. So, at that converted nightclub, 
uh, we um, we doubled our yields, and that was enough for us to be able to reduce a certain amount of risk and open up a pilot facility. Um, and at that pilot facility, then we boosted our yields again, and we showed that we could hit all of our food safety metrics and third-party certifications. We showed that um, people were willing to pay the price that we expected for the for our product. And we showed that we could hit the yields using a staff of farm workers that we were training up in a way that could be repeatable going forward. We raised another round of money and we set up our first production facility still in Newark, New Jersey. Um, and, uh, and that's what you, if you see videos of arrow farms online, that's where you're looking, you're peeking into, you're taking a look at our facility at 212 Rome Street uh, and seeing how we are producing baby leafy greens and microgreens um, every day of the week. Uh, and in a system that is, yes, it's the, uh, it's the kind of the third generation along of our, of our grow towers. Um, but a lot of those videos that you see are four or five years old, and we've progressed quite a bit since then um, as we're heading into the future. Um, so I, I'll point out, like since since though that those days in the nightclub, our efficiency's gone up by about a factor of six to eight um, in terms of yields and energy inputs. Um, uh, I think eight probably is a fair number. Um, and we're not done. Uh, so we're still today still concentrating on how we can do things more efficiently. Um, still today, we're concentrating on how we can make our plants happier and healthier um, and marching along really in a, in, a, in a path that Ed Harwood set out um, in 2004. Um, and uh, I'm proud to be able to continue on with some of the legacy that uh, Ed had laid out for us. Great. Thank you. That is such a great origin story. I was um, uh, heard a uh, story that Bruce Taylor of Taylor Farms told um, just a couple of days ago. He was talking about the first time he visited Arrow Farms was in that nightclub. And he said, I go into this place and the disco ball is still up. You know? <laughs> so It's a really great story. Um, well, one of our buildings, we still have it's it's primarily a research facility, but we still have a lot of the original um, paint um, and decoration from a uh, paintball court. So there's all this crazy graffiti looking stuff all over the wall. And we were um, talking, I was talking to my team a few weeks ago and we're putting in a, a upgrading a space there to be a little bit more like a, a laboratory space so that we can, we can do some uh, different types of bench work there. And I said, well, do you want to paint the room? And they said, well, I don't know. You know, there's like good mojo here with this. <laughs> so I don't know if we should paint the room. And I said, well, gone it. And we can decide if we want to paint the room. But, you know, there is there is something to some of the um, aspects of where we work that I think people are, you know, they're they're really feel close to to the company, I think, because of its roots and, and the buildings that we work in. Uh, they they share just by walking into them that history. All you have to do is is look around and you can see uh, a little bit about what Roger was talking about without even ever hearing the story. So 
we'll see if we paint. I'll, I'll keep it. I'll keep it. Yeah, posted. keep me posted on that. <laughs> Um, Stacey, let's continue with you on just looking at um, R&D capabilities. So sure. um, I, I, when, what I hear about Air Farm so much is just um, how much R&D that you're doing and, and your facilities and what you're working on. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, I mean, we essentially have uh, in Newark a, a fully controlled smart farm, you know, Within our grow towers, we use aeroponic technology. I think um, Roger alluded to that. This is really where the name AeroFarms comes from. Um, that technology allows us to miss the roots of the plant with fully oxygenated water and nutrients. And we also have an automated delivery system that we have developed and programmed specifically in-house uh, for our growing system. So that allows us to very tightly control and manipulate uh, nutrients that our plants are receiving in the farm. Um, we also have genetics of the plants that are tailored for growing in our environment. And, you know, we, as Roger mentioned, lighting is a really, really important part of what we do. It's, it's, a, it's a cost and um, we're constantly improving our LED lighting and all of our lighting is, is proprietary for AeroFarm. So we, you know, nobody has it um, and we're advancing that technology all the time. So my team is, is working a lot in the lighting space, trying to understand what spectrums of light we want to use to increase um, nutrition, uh, advance some of the flavor characteristics that are interesting to us. And we're looking at lighting, not just in leafy greens, but some other areas um, that we've been working in, like berries um, and some of the breeding aspects that you'll hear about relative to our partnerships. So that's pretty exciting to take that information that we're learning in leafy greens and translate it over into other crops. So we grow on a cloth media. Um, I listened to your talk uh, with Nate uh, the other day, and it, it's a bit of a different system. So we grow on a, a flat cloth, cloth media. It is uh, reusable and made from recycled materials. Um, it does interact with the plant in a very special way. We've tried so many different growth media. That's also very critical to, to what we're doing. So it's not just something that we thought, oh, let's try this and see if it works out. We've tried many, many different types of growth media and we're continuing to explore um, this area and try to understand if there are better ways and better media to grow our plants and whether that be um, every plant or for specific plants or for specific varieties, we are starting to hone in on different types of media um, that are helping us increase our farm productivity. So we, as you know, we've got, just like everybody else, we've got large buildings, we've got HVAC systems, um, but we, you know, we're always working to try to understand what precise growing conditions we want to deliver to our plants. Um, and we are also focusing period, you know, pretty regularly on the, the ends of the process. So what happens during seeding, what happens during harvesting. So the, the more you focus on end-to-end -end process within a commercial farm, the better you're going to get. Every little thing counts. So it's critical for us to not just look at what's happening on the grow towers with the plants, but also think about what, are, what seeds are we sourcing? How are we treating those seeds? How are we placing those seeds on our growth media? What happens to that 
those seeds once they get onto the tower. But then also once we bring them off, what are we doing when we harvest them? What are we doing when we package them? How are we packaging them? Are there environments that are better for us to be packaging to increase our shelf life so consumers get better quality? So it's a lot of that work. It's all happening kind of simultaneously. Um, and we are, you know, I think the one thing about Aero Farms that, as you mentioned, is that we know is different is we've got a lot of partnerships and those partnerships, um, while we have, we're working on different plants, we also we're able to apply what we know to those plants and we're also able to apply um, information backwards. So it's, it's great for us to learn from partners. We have a new facility um, that we're building in Abu Dhabi. So I, I'm probably a lot of people who follow Aero Farms are familiar with this. Um, that facility is going to be the, one of the largest R&D facilities in the world focused on vertical farming. It's, it's 100% research. Oh. I'm really excited about it. We have broken ground we're building now and things are progressing nicely. Uh, one of my team members was just there, sent pictures, and it's just like a sea of people working in that building, getting things ready for us to um, start up our laboratories and our grow rooms and put in our pilot farm into that facility so we can start working. So we're going to be employing local talent. We've got a number of focus areas. So um, plant biology is an obvious one, but we're also going to be looking at speed breeding, analytical chemistry, trying to understand what it is about the plants chemically um, and from a nutritional perspective and marrying that up with sensory understanding. Uh, automation is a huge thing in vertical farming now. So we are going to be studying um, the different aspects of automation in farms uh, for both leafy greens and other farms, whether it be um, in the vertical farm or in aspects of the farm uh, on the front end or the back end, whether it be seeding or harvesting. So we're very excited about that. Roger will talk a little bit about some of the other projects that we're doing relative to machine vision, but we'll also be doing some, some work there. So this is, you know, it's a pretty exciting time to be at Aero Farms because we are, um, we're committed to this, to this research work, but I'll say that we don't do research for research sake. We do research because we want to get um, to a commercial stage or for things that we are commercial, we're trying to improve and make those things better. So um, it's really exciting work to be doing. And I work with a great group of, of folks who um, are just excited about the science every day. Yeah, I think what's a huge advantage to indoor growing and the type of things that you do is that you're already gathering all that data anyway. And mm -hmm. when you're growing outside, you know, you don't have sensors, you know, so close and you're not collecting all that data. So you guys Correct. can really make real time changes and, and really pick up data that that, you know, is hard to do outside. Right. Exactly. Um, Roger, do you want to add some to the R&D capabilities? Um, yeah, let me. A, a few things to that. So one thing, Stacy talked about the facility in Abu Dhabi. And one of the things that we're finding is working with local partners is um, it, it's really working out well for us. So there are plants of interest in the region that maybe in New Jersey is not as exciting, um, but in UAE it is. And, uh, and, you know, we have partnerships with plenty of U.S. universities um, but I'll tell you what, so um, Halifa University, UAEU, um, they're, they're well-staffed with um, some really smart people. And 
um, that's turning out to be a fantastic set of partnerships also. Um, I'll also go for, further talking about machine vision. So um, we, we talked about the sensor network that's in there and you are right. One of the beautiful things about the vertical farming is you really have ubiquitous sensors. So you can, um, uh, you can make sure that you've got sensors in all the right places to make sure that you've got a really good view of what's happening with your plants. And Stacy's team, the R&D team, has also developed different ways of doing machine vision so we can understand what's happening with the growth of the plants um, by looking at them post-harvest. And we've made some great discoveries that way. Um, and now as we're, we're moving forward, we, we mentioned, we've, we've published uh, the fact that we have a partnership with Nokia Bell Labs um, and working hand in hand with them, uh, we can set up systems that watch the plants while they're growing. Um, and in addition to watching the environmental factors. So I said ubiquitous, well, it doesn't get much more ubiquitous than <laughs> watching every plant every day and watching the environment around them. Um, and, uh, and so that's already yielding um, great results in terms of being paying very close attention to what's hap happening with the plants, being able to adjust our production systems, be able to adjust our forecasting when things are going better than expected, and being able to marshal our resources if there's an issue that's popped up. Um, and uh, we're able to, to, to pay very close attention to these plants and uh, I think they appreciate it. <laughs> Yeah. So you've mentioned, you've both mentioned partnerships a couple of times and um, partnerships and collaborations are important to all companies, but AeroFarms is much more active in partnerships than a lot of the other companies in your space. I think partly because of the, the nature of IP and people being worried about that, but you guys have done a great job. So what, what about your culture makes that so? I mean, why do you think you have more partnerships and more collaborations than some of the other companies? I, I don't know that we do. I'm not keeping score. Uh, <laughs> uh, I am. <laughs> I I'll take your word for it. Uh, so when we when we lay out our principles at AeroFarms, collaboration is is at the top of that list. And so, um, you know, so we have our set of principles, and um, and so communications is important. Accountability is important. Respect is important. Uh, but collaboration tends to be the one that you, you pivot outside and and helps you have a broader view of, of what you can do on earth. And so um, one way we put it is, is that we wanna grow um, the best plants for the betterment of humanity. Another way to say the same thing is we, we wanna do the most good with our technology. And, um, and, and we believe that by partnering with others, we can uh, do more good quicker. Um, we can make sure that our technology makes an impact faster. Um, so we think that's important to, to the planet. We think that's important to the company. Uh, and, uh, and, and we look at it as kind of a, a way to be agile in this market. Um, the, these partnerships, uh, we, we look to universities for partnerships. We look to other companies for partnerships too. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we mentioned we have a partnership with Hortifruit, 
uh, and we talked about publicly we've talked about blueberries with hortifruit and uh, you know hortifruit has the world's experts in terms of growing um, blueberries for production. Um, they're really fantastic. And for us to take a step towards blueberries, um, it makes much more sense for us to partner up with, with hortifruits of the world um, than to try to go it alone or try to hire in um, because their culture um, has been built around how to keep those blueberry plants happy and how to breed them for you know, the next millennia, uh, it's a great place to start. Yeah. So you talked um, a bit about Nokia Bell Labs and as an example of the, the private technology partnerships that you have, and then um, Hortifruit as an example of your growing and kind of R&D partnerships. What other growing and R&D partnerships do you have that um, that is public and you're talking about? Um, I could talk about a few more of them. So we we have been public to talk about uh, a partnership with Cargill, um, where we are looking at uh, cocoa and uh, what we can do with 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 cocoa plants, both growing indoors um, and also being able to uh, simulate how really how climate change is going to affect those cocoa plants that are are growing out in the world. Um, and giving some insights a little early on and also working through what does it mean to start a, a cocoa plant from scratch in a vertical farm uh, in order to make sure that it's got the best chance of survival and the best yields once it gets out into the field. So we're looking at it from, from several different aspects. And, and Cargill and Hortifruit and Nokia Labs, those are all good examples of companies that we feel see the see the world similar to the way that we see. So they, these are all companies where uh, making a difference through technology and through investing in R and D is part of their culture. Um, these are all companies that um, are are looking to to see what they can do to help out the, their customers, their consumers for decades to come. And so that's a great match for us um, at each step of the way. Sometimes you, uh, so we're, we're, we are a, a, a B Corp. And so sometimes that's a shorthand way to go is to talk about other companies that are B Corps. It's a quick way to say, all right, I think we're pretty well aligned. Hmm. Um, I mentioned one more that's, that we've made public. Uh, and that is a project where we are um, growing hops uh, with AB InBev. Hmm. So again, this is just partnering with a company with the scale um, to have a good view of what's happening for the genetics of their, their plants and also a great understanding of what's important for their market. Um, and, uh, and, and I'd like to see, love to see people's faces when we talk about growing hops plants because they're so different than growing a microgreen. Um, and it's another example of staying flexible and agile with our technology um, and making the, making the most of it and seeing um, all these different ways we can help out. So do you, when you grow hops inside, I mean, I've seen them outside and they're, for those people who haven't seen hops grow, it's it, it, the first time I saw the setup, I'm like, what the heck is that? But you have to, it's a very long trellis that kind of goes up to this thing that the plant goes up. Do you, can you shorten that? Or you, can you do some internode work where the internodes aren't as long and you get more hops for stem or is that a secret? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think, 
Right, that they're they're really really tall plants. I think <laughs> potentially, there's potentially opportunity for genetics there to to be more you know more suitable for indoor farms. But I think you know we part of the the cool thing that we do is you know when we start out with something, we tend to start with what what other folks are using. And if you are familiar at all with that project because of the press release, and you look at the beer that was brewed, it, it was beer it was brewed with Cascade hops. So Cascade hops are every every hop farmer grows cascade hops they're one of they're very very popular um flavor hop right now um have been for a while they're tall plants but what a lot of what we do is try to figure out like are there things that would allow us to grow that tall plant uniquely within a grow room so you know we have a tremendous engineering staff and they are incredibly creative so you know without giving away the farm so to speak (laughs) We've figured out how to manage some of those tall plants when they get tall. Um, and there, there are aspects of, of that that are about that growing that's about the plant. And there are aspects of about that. How do we manage the stature of the plant in the type of situation that we're dealing with? And, and a hop was an interesting challenge for us, mm-hmm. but we did figure that out. And um, it was, was a, quite a creative solution. So it's exciting that, that we were able to do that. Um, the one partnership that I'll mention that uh, Roger didn't mention, and it's probably more related to the to the B Corp um, side of our company, um, is our partnership um, with Jersey City and the World Economic Forum. So this is a partnership related to community farms. So we are building community farms uh, and putting them, we've committed in the first year of the project to put 10 um, community farms in schools, in city buildings within the city of Jersey City. And we just put our first one in. Um, the, the farm was designed, it was tested, it was built. And the first one went out two weeks ago and it is growing plants in a school. Um, this is historically something that Arrow Farms has done at Harwood, uh, you know, worked with schools in the Newark area. It was a big passion of his. So it's exciting that we're able to kind of continue that legacy and a much bigger program. I think, you know, Jersey City is just really the start of this because there's a, I mean, a lot of people are interested in how do they bring this technology on a smaller scale to, you know, you, it could be many, many places. It could be inside of a cafeteria at a corporation. It could be at a grocery store. There could be a lot of places that you could place these types of farms. Um, And, you know, we're excited that the first one's out there and growing for the school kids and they're able to learn about different plants and they actually can do some small experiments on the, the growing system. They can look at turning on the lights and turning off the lights. They can, they can change the amount of water that they're giving the plants. There's a lot of cool things that they can do to learn science while they're uh, in school and also grow vegetables at the same time. So that is a, another cool partnership that we have that I think fits really nicely with what we're trying to do as a company and a, and a B Corp. I love that. I hadn't heard of that. That's great. So what about um, public partnerships? Um, what have you got going there? I know the PIP um, program that you're involved in has gotten a lot of press. So do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, I'd love to talk about the, the PIP program. The So PIP stands for Precision Indoor Plants, and it's a consortium uh, between um, both FAR, the Foundation for Food and Agriculture Research, 
and a group of companies. So Aero Farms is happy to be um, part of that executive committee on in this consortium, but also BASF is here, um, Priva, Fluence, Benson Hill, and Green Venus. And, uh, and so it, it, this brings people to the table from across the supply chain and with lots of different views in terms of where we can go forward with uh, indoor farming and very particularly vertical farming. The, the question for that, that PIP has, has focused on is genetics for indoor farms. And so um, even more particularly, uh, we've announced that we want to focus on lettuce, strawberries, and tomatoes, um, and work on co-optimizing genetics and environment. And that's why you have genetics companies and environment companies uh, on the same team. The first one that we've started on is lettuce. Uh, and that's working out well right out of the gates. So um, uh, we're using some of our technology to speed up the um, generation to generation, the C to C time mm. uh, for the lettuce itself. Uh, and that speed breeding is sure certainly helpful to get many more generations per year uh into the system so that we can move very quickly towards having the right lettuce for vertical farming but it's also helping develop the technology that can be used with many other plants in many other ways and so i think that it is um, blazing a trail for um, a broader use of speed breeding um, by by taking advantage of everything vertical farming brings to the table Right. Um, so you told us quite a bit about R&D and, and kind of the origins of the company as it got built up. But um, Roger, maybe you can take us um, talk a little bit about commercialization strategies, like how you thought about that. And then let's move in after that, kind of move into what the future looks like for AeroFarms and where you guys are headed. Um, sure, I can I can start out and Stacey can jump in um, at any point, too. So um, when you think about uh, our, our history of commercialization, you know, Aero Farms, um, uh, we, we, we started out um, expecting that local was going to be everything. Um, and uh, that was even um, uh, built into kind of our philosophies um, at the start. And, and part of what we found was that, yes, people love local produce, but the quality of, of, our, of our produce is, is really what um, makes people fanatical about um, wanting to have our baby leaf greens and microgreens. And so um, the, the R&D team works on how to drive more flavor, how to drive more vitamin content, into the greens that we grow today. And so as we talk about um, our, our history, starting with baby leafy greens, that was, that was already great, but the microgreens are fantastic. Uh, the flavor is, it's really off the charts. Um, it's my favorite for sure. The vitamin content's off the charts. Uh, and I think that we're seeing more and more pull for the microgreens um, and for, for very good reasons. Uh, and so as we, we're going forward, we're expecting to see, to see more and more of that. Let me just put it as we won't be surprised um, if more and more pull 
uh, more and more demand is there for the microgreens. We, we have talked about um, where and how we make decisions on setting up commercial farms. Uh, I think there's a few things that we made public that, that talk about that. I won't go into all of that here, um, but I, I will mention that we are in the middle of um, setting up our next um, commercial farm in Danville, Virginia. Um, so uh, if you've ever been to Danville, Virginia, I encourage you to go. Uh, I've actually spent more time there than most people probably have. And so I, I can imagine it's great for the community as well. Like that's a, a great place to put a farm as far as um, giving employment to the area and just, yeah, I'm a great pick. <laughs> uh, so, so we're excited about it. And um, the, I actually have up on my screen while I'm talking to you of, a live feed of the construction site and it's pretty oh. far along. Uh, uh, and so um, that farm will start out for sure with baby leafy greens and microgreens. Um, we've also have been public by saying that uh, we're going to go to St. Louis as our uh, our farm that serves the, the Midwest next. Um, and we've published some maps that suggest a few other locations in North America, in addition to um, how Stacy listed out this world's largest R&D farm going up in UAE that um, both the, the government in UAE and in Abu Dhabi in particular and Aero Farms, we both think that this is going to be the anchor for expansion of really high efficiency vertical farming in the region. Great. Anything you want to add there, Stacy? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I can, ex I'd like to expand a little bit on the microgreen aspects and, and some of the points that Roger touched on, you know, relative to what is so special about those. I think it's, it's a, a unique category. Um, and as consumers are starting to look for new things as they shop the, the produce section, it, it is, it definitely is a standout. It's not something that you typically see when you go to the grocery store, um, and, you know, we just launched this year four new varieties of microgreens. Uh, one of them is a broccoli, uh, which is an outstanding item. And uh, Whole Foods identified it as uh, one of their 2022 flavor trends was Arrow Farms micro broccoli. So it's gotten some great press and we're really excited about how people are coming looking for microgreens uh, because it's not something you know, baby leafy greens are all over the place, right? So we, we definitely grow those and we have great baby leafy greens, but microgreens are fabulous. And I think um, really driving consumers to the category and to our brand, because it's something that we do that's unique. You know, related to the flavor, um, if you had been following us for some time, you know that our, we had our, our greens branded just greens, and our, our, green, our greens branded Dream Greens and our company was called Aero Farms. So this summer we rolled out a new brand, which is really fabulous if you get a chance to take a look at it. You know, every part of the logo, every color on those packages was selected to represent both our past and our future as a company. So it was very deliberate. So it's hard to know that unless you're really inside of our company, but um, know that there was a lot of thought put into it we have the biggest product window on shelf. So consumers can look at our products and see, you know, straight through that front pack part of the pack and see what they're buying, which is terrific. 
And we've got all these cool colors on the packages and they aren't just cool colors. They actually stand for something. They stand for a flavor spectrum. So each color of the package represents a flavor, the flavor in the variety that's in the package. So the colors range from blue, cool flavors to red, spicy, and zesty and, and all different colors in between. So when you're looking at the greens, you can see the greens, but you can also sense from the color kind of and the, and the information on the package, what you're going to taste when you actually buy them. So it's not just, here's a package of, of greens and you're not sure what you're going to get. I'll give it a try and see what it is. You know, before you even buy it, what you're going to get, what it's going to taste like just based on the cues from the color and from, um, from the other information on the package. So that's really cool. And recently we launched a flavor hub. So if you're really, really excited about flavor, um, you can go and um, join that group on our website and you can get giveaways and all kinds of cool stuff and learn more about flavor and our products. And, um, and you, can, you can follow us on social media with, with through that Flavor Hub as well. So that's a, a really kind of a new marketing aspect that we're bringing to that branding that just launched this month. So we launched the brand with, with the flavor spectrum and then we've got this new flavor hub uh, coming right behind it to engage consumers and really educate them on, on flavor and in produce. That's great. Um, I think it's a great place to, to wrap up here and, and just really thinking about all the R&D that you guys are involved in and then how it ends up on the shelf in these new products that everybody loves and the taste is great. And um, please bring them to California at some point. <laughs> so uh, thank you both so much. I really appreciate your time and um, your enthusiasm about the company really shines through. So great culture. And um, I will talk to you again at another time. Thank you. That's it for this episode of PMA Takes on Tech. Thanks for allowing us to serve as your guide to the new world of produce and technology. Be sure to check out all our episodes at pma.com and wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and I would love to get any comments or suggestions of what you might want me to take on. For now, stay safe, eat your fruits and vegetables, and we will see you next time.